And just want to take a second and thank Policy Genius. They're supporting today's episode of Success Story. I know we all have kids. We all have families we want to take care of. And I personally check something off major on my to-do list, life insurance. It's a tough topic. It's really hard to think about, but it's so important. And the hard part was sorting through all the options. Luckily, I found Policy Genius. Policy Genius is an online insurance marketplace that makes getting life insurance surprisingly easy. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for a million dollars of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Now, knowing my family's protected brings me incredible peace of mind. Don't put off this important decision. Check life insurance off your to-do list in no time with Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com or click the link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. The only podcast you need for your business. Let's do this. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. Join me as we explore and demystify the latest trends, technologies, and strategies used to achieve massive growth and 10x businesses. I'll be sitting down with sales, marketing, and business leaders to dissect what's worked for them, dispel myths, and deliver actionable insights that you can use to ensure repeatable, sustainable, and predictable revenue in your business. Welcome to the Sales versus Marketing Podcast, where we interview sales, marketing, and business leaders. I'm your host, Scott, and today we are interviewing and sitting down with Sarah McIntyre, who is the founder and chief strategist for Bright Inbound Marketing. Uh, now, Sarah is a career marketer working for all different sorts of organizations in the marketing field as a a communications manager, as a product manager, as a global marketing manager, and most recently before she started Bright Inbound, she was a global campaigns and alliance marketing manager for APAC Asia Asia Pacific, excuse me, for uh, Novell. So she's managed global teams and she's managed enormous marketing organizations over the course of her career. Uh, She transitioned into her own firm, Bright Inbound Marketing, and she's successfully built it over the past 10 years. Uh, Bright Inbound Marketing has been named HubSpot's top digital agency of the year. to, to, I'm going to let Sarah speak about her past and I'm going to let her speak about Bright and what they do. Uh, but they are a marketing firm that really, that really help bring out or not, not bring out, but help a company understand who their customer is, who their buyer persona is, what their messaging should be to target that buyer persona. And once they've built that out, then they tie it into all the other integral as uh, integral pieces of a digital marketing campaign and that's how sarah has been so successful so sarah i'm going to let you introduce yourself um but give us a little bit of a background about where you came from uh who you are and and what you're doing now in a nutshell um i was going to do terrible in a nutshell sorry um Terrible, terrible jokes. I tell really bad jokes. No, um, my name's Sarah McIntyre. I'm the founder uh, and chief strategist at Bright Inbound. And uh, Bright is a small agency based in Sydney, Australia. And we are a HubSpot partner, have been one of HubSpot's very early stage partners. Um, we signed up with them in 2009. So we're you know, 10 years down the track with HubSpot. And 
Yeah. So I've yeah, been running this inbound marketing, content marketing business for nearly 10 years. And uh, prior to that was a B2B marketer for a big tech and a global well, both start, I've worked with both startups and global multinationals, mm-hmm. um, and that there are pros and cons of both of both of those things. Uh, and yes, went out on my own in two thousand um, and nine. And what made you what made you make that jump from working for a company to moving onto your your own project, your own company? Yeah, flexibility. What's I needed. I, I well, I needed. I had children essentially. Oh, okay. Okay. Into into child number two by that stage, and the the role that I had and the work that I was doing wasn't compatible with actually ever seeing my children. So uh, <laughs> I decided to uh, yeah to you know make a shift into building a business that was that could work alongside a life. Yeah, so. that's but that's so tough because when when you are starting as an entrepreneur. I don't think um, starting your own business is is uh, known for not working. Like the people that start their own business when they first start, they're not known for working less hours, right? It's usually the opposite. Yeah, I know, but you can fit those in hours in yes. around the other things that you need to do, and so so that was better for me. It meant that I could still keep doing marketing work, yeah. which I love to do, but also keep being around because I was I was just traveling way too much. And I think when you're when you're based in Australia, and my role was across Asia, Asia Pacific, yeah. which is a really massive region. So, you know, whenever you got on a plane, it was an eight-hour flight. Yeah. So you'd be gone for, you know, weeks. You know, Japan to India and everything in between. It's pretty massive. So it just, no. It just wasn't <laughs> it just good. So it just doesn't work after a while. So um, it's good fun when you're younger, but it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, and the other reason was I – really, you know, really enjoy putting best practices in action. And sometimes when you work for a bigger organization, you don't get to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to do what the corporate team is doing and what they're saying that you, that you need to be doing. So you, oftentimes there's, there's lots of compromises involved yes. when you're working with a big organization. So um, being actually to be an advocate for best practices for clients was really, um, really interesting to me and really kind of, yeah. So really appealing. No, that's that's a that's a great point because obviously I think anybody who's worked in in enterprise knows that there's so much red tape that you have to cross, right? When you're trying to be effective and be agile. Um, for example, yeah. uh, I I work with a sm- I work with a smaller startup, but we're one of our one of our products uh, is licensed through a larger startup, and um, just the you know the dichotomy between how quick you can move as a small startup or as a small firm. In contrast, and I've also worked in, in large organizations uh, before, so I totally yeah. get it. Um, so when you first moved, um, what was what was your like first iteration of your business um, when you wanted to move into your own marketing practice? Obviously, uh, where did you? How did you first build that out? Well, yeah, really a, a, a freelance freelance consultant, um, and I worked, walked straight into a and a walk straight into a, a client with one of my competitor companies. So I walked straight out of the door of my old job into um, consulting for their direct competitor, which was um, great. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so the first iteration was, um, yeah, consulting, consulting, um, and, and really sort of, yeah, being an extra, uh, an extra marketing resource for that team. Did you find, extra- uh, did you find that, like, 
like what what type of lessons learned like uh from moving from obviously a huge corporate um to to working on your own and and obviously you've been successful at it which is more than most uh entrepreneurs can say so what were like the best practices lessons learned when you first started that allowed you to continue to maintain this consulting and turn it into an agency really yeah well i guess i want to stop you there because i i've been through i've been a consultant Mm -hmm. and 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 i've grown an agency and then i've stopped growing an agency because i don't think i think the agency model is broken um, from a profitability perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when I started to scale up an agency and looking at the skills that are needed to support, particularly inbound marketing, it's this incredible raft of skills that you need to cover in inbound. You know, you, you need content producers, web developers, graphic designers, you know, yeah, uh, it's, the, writers. The scope of marketing it's, is huge. It is, it is huge, exactly. And so I've, I struggled with different types of models to try and get like hiring in-house, um, using remote workers, um, bits of both really, um, hiring really senior people, hiring really junior people, you know, ha- trying yeah. to figure out how this agency could scale and, and grow and still, still stay profitable. And don't know whether I've actually figured that out yet, but I think the key lesson is really um, finding your niche. Yeah. And that's really cheesy. Everyone says niche, niche, niche. But I think in in, in agency world, what I see a lot of is agencies being, we are full we are full service agencies, which means they're just going to say yes to everything and then try and figure out how to do it. And I just don't think that's I, – I don't think it gets necessarily a good result for a client. I don't think it's good for the agency themselves to, to be – trying to cover stuff that's not their core, their core. competency. So what, right. so what is, so HubSpot top digital agency, um, that's a, that's a great title, but what does that actually mean? So what do you deliver for clients? So for clients, I, um, I help them with HubSpot. Uh, I typically work with clients who, who have HubSpot already, um, and have made that investment in a, in a marketing automation platform and then have gotten overwhelmed and because there's so many moving parts to it, got overwhelmed with it and gone, well, you know, we're not getting results that we need, you know, what's you know, trying to figure out what to do next once they've gone through the, the onboarding cycle with HubSpot and then gone, well, what do we need to do next? And when they come to me, they're usually frustrated. They're thinking about throwing it away. They don't really know where to go next. So I take them right back to the basics um, of doing their buyer persona research, yeah. which is something that yeah. they normally skim over in the, in the implementation period. They they have a little workshop together with all their salespeople and stuff, and they make these buyer personas and things, and then off they go on to the next thing, next thing. And But if you don't do that that phase properly, I think the, the foundations of your marketing are really shaky and mm-hmm. built on a lot of assumptions. So you really have to go back to your buyer personas to – to validate them with some actual customer interviews. And I find a lot of clients haven't done that, that they don't go and actually interview real customers. They just base their marketing on on a whole bunch of assumptions, you know, from people, you know, educated guests, educated Educated guesses, but they don't check them. Like they don't go back and see if that's really who their target buyer persona, target customer, yeah. Right, and really drill down into into having it in a quite a detailed interview conversation with with the customers on, on, you know, firstly, how they came into into that world. Yeah. So how... 
you know, because you don't actually learn anything. Like you, so you don't really know the top end of the funnel as a marketer. You know, you know the the middle stage of the funnel, but you don't know the top end of the funnel. You make guesses about the awareness piece. So, yeah. you know, where did they find you? How did they actually find you? What was the sales process? You work with you work with HubSpot, but you're also speaking about buyer persona, and I don't think. Um, uh, when I when I think of HubSpot, I don't think of a tool that's really mapping out all those like buyer persona is so important. But is there is there a way that they're tied together that I'm I'm missing? Um, oh yeah. Okay, so it's massive. It's a really big piece of HubSpot actually. Okay. So so when you you can load your personas into HubSpot. So once you've done your research, once you've validated it, once you've you know, decided on which ones are the other the key ones you're going to go after, then you load those personas into HubSpot so that you can start segmenting your database of 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 contacts. So before yes. you load your database in, segment them into the types of personas that they are, and then also um, when you continue to do marketing things. So if you if you've created a an asset like a checklist or something, a downloadable asset or something like that, you create a form and you ask the question, you know, please select which best describes me or I am a, and then you list one of the the persona names. And so people will self-select into the categories of people that you want to continue to market with. And that'll, that'll, yeah, that'll further like actually pinpoint like who you're actually dealing with as opposed to just a name and an email address. Yeah, hundred percent. So because you've built your persona, um, uh, a detailed persona around that type of person, you know that if Sarah says, "I'm a CEO," then the CEO level messaging that you've that you've discovered should resonate better with you than with I'm a you know I'm a university student. So, and then you can also you can you can start weeding out the 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 ways you want to communicate and and develop communication strategies that are, are customized to those personas. That's really powerful. And I think that I know I've used HubSpot and I wasn't even aware and I don't know if that's my ignorance, but I think that a lot of people probably don't implement these technologies to the to their fullest uh, capacity. And I think this interesting thing, I mean, HubSpot started as a marketing automation system and now it has this really great free CRM. So I think we're seeing a lot of new people coming on board with the free CRM tools mm-hmm. and using using the CRM pieces, which is great. CRM's awesome. But yeah, the 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 actual foundations of HubSpot is a is a marketing automation platform built around personas. So, so yeah, personas key. So if you were trying to um, if you were speaking to a company that uh, poorly defined their buyer personas or or didn't define their buyer personas, what would be the steps in, in properly identifying when when is there a point where you can say I've collected enough data to say that this is a buyer persona that I can actually run with and build into my marketing automation tool? Um, is there is there a process that you go through or is there just Yeah. Yes, yeah, so I do a three step process. Firstly we'll we will do an internal workshop um, with all the with all the people in the organization who actually have um, an interaction with with customers, so it can be customer support, salespeople, um, senior execs as well. So everyone in the room do that workshop to get out, get all the information information out of their heads about who it is that they think they deal with. Um, do a do a survey. So like use a survey monkey, do a really short survey, send it to the database, and then do deep dive interviews both with internal stakeholders and with your customers. 
and lost customers too if you can. So deals that you didn't win, there you get incredible amount of information from people from accounts that you didn't win. If they're willing to go that far, I haven't had many clients actually want to go that next step, but I think that's a critical learning phase for the for the organisations to understanding why they why they didn't why you went down the path with them in the sales process and then they didn't choose you was it because of the product was it the pricing was it why what was it did they did the budget you know disappear what were what were the reasons for not achieving that sale do you have do you have a strategy to get people to be more respondent to surveys so that you can collect that data more effectively uh, for, so just, so when, keep them simple, very short. Yeah. Uh, no, because I yeah, just I, I, I would no assume that some questions. of them sometimes it's hard to collect that data, and that's why. Or or I guess you know if you're not even trying, that's the first issue. But um, I think over collecting. I was looking at um at an employee feedback survey earlier today, and it was something like twenty to thirty questions, and yeah. I think that that's a mis- uh, misconception that that's actually effective. And then it just it's just like information overload for the for the person receiving, and it's just yeah. they just don't want to they they shut off, yeah. right? Yeah, no, exactly. I keep it really short. Those surveys are really only five questions. Yeah, um, and I have a template for that five question survey, and uh, mainly to and the 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 point of the survey piece is also to try and get the people who are super responders. So I also do question ask questions that are. Uh, text only questions so not not drop downs because then that's also validating assumptions because if you're pre you know pre giving them the answers it might be good for making pretty graphs but it's not actually good for any kind of qualitative understanding and what i'm looking for is people who who are really committed and who really who write a lot essentially they give <laughs> so you lots of write, information yeah 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 write, yeah write a lot of information it means that there's there's some there's some interest there, you know. There's some, there's some passion there, so they're actually really interesting people to talk to because they there's some yeah some underlying thing that they that they want to get out. So so it could be so, it could be good or it could be bad. But at the end of the day, um, the information is what you need to actually build these out. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, it's uh, anything is any feedback is is good information to to get and to and to send it back into into your organization. And the thing I love about marketing owning this this function it also shouldn't just be a one-off function I think you should do this this quarterly if you can is that the marketing becomes the voice of the customer and the advocate for the customer inside the organization as well so it's not it's not just sales led it's also marketing led so so marketers can elevate themselves a little bit as well in the in the food chain sometimes yes. I find marketers can be you know you're just the people blowing up balloons on the trade stand stand over there you know? <laughs> so we don't want to we don't want to be be doing that we want to you know at be actively advocating for customers and advocating for the right thing for the salespeople to do and the right thing for the company to do as we as we grow. We're all on the same team to increase revenue and grow companies. And you mentioned a good point, and it's something that I'm a big fan of and something that I'm a, a huge supporter of, and it's that it's a collaboration between sales and marketing. Um, and whenever I've worked in organizations, I've worked hard to, if I'm, if I'm owning both roles and obviously it's a little bit easier, but if I'm not, and there is, for example, a, a VP marketing, then you have to make sure that you're married up and you're, and the campaigns that you're running. And I think in too many organizations, I think it's unfortunate because these functions in, in legacy companies, large companies, they're sometimes very siloed. Um, yeah. so 
have you seen over your career um, as a consultant as well? Are there best practices for enabling these these two business units to work in tandem and work really well together, or is it like a cultural thing? And there's no right answer. I'm just curious yeah, what you've no, seen. There isn't any right answer. I think you have to figure it out for yourself. But I 100% agree that there's no room for sales and marketing teams to be not working together. I just it just doesn't make sense, particularly these days, because the line is blurred between what is sales and what is marketing. Mm-hmm. I think there's, you know, salespeople need to know how to market. Marketers need to know how to sell. I used to be a salesperson too, so I think that helps too. <laughs> used to be out on the road, you know, yeah. doing demos yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, look, I, I know HubSpot advocates for um, having joint SLAs, mm-hmm. so that you both that you both agree on um, on on different things. So, you know, marketing agrees to agrees to deliver X number of marketing qualified leads. Yeah. Sales agrees to, you know, promptly follow up on those leads and, you know, and document it. I think the nice thing about the HubSpot CRM is it can be incredibly transparent in terms of um, both the marketing leads that are coming in and the quality of those leads and also the sales activity. So, you know, when a salesperson um, make logs logs a phone call or sends an email. Everything can be captured and tracked in HubSpot, so you can see exactly how many times they've re- tried to reach out to that person, what the conversation was. All the emails can be tracked in HubSpot as well. Um, really, really simply. Automatically, yeah. I've I've used I've used the CRM HubSpot, the CRM portion of HubSpot extensively, and and it can do it can do everything. Yeah. It can track everything. Yeah. So that's the the business intelligence you can gather is is immense. Um, yes. But I think yeah, that, it, you know, to your point, the ability to uh, properly understand a CRM, and I guess, uh, you know, I think I understand HubSpot to a point, but not to the same degree you do. I think when you implement a tech into an organization, um, you should focus on making sure that you understand it completely, because if you don't, that's when I don't think you get that adoption of the CRM, which is, you know, you're spending all this money and nobody's using. Yeah, 100%. And I think... The HubSpot CRM is is such an easy one to adopt for for companies that it really should be a no brainer, you know, because you can you can hook it up to your Gmail for business or hook it up to your Outlook account, and and just simply log. You know, it's a no data. It's, there's no data entry needed for salespeople unless they go and start putting deals and things in, which is great. But there really shouldn't be any extra data entry. You don't have to go and, um, you know, type in contact names and account names and that kind of stuff. You just click the button and say, add it to HubSpot, integrate it. And then you just click the button, add it to HubSpot. You can log every single email in HubSpot. You can use pre-built email templates. I've set up a whole bunch of email templates for my clients as well. So they can, they've got like a pre-written template for cold cold outreach. They've got a template for someone who downloads a piece of content um, on the website. They've got, you know, all these different types of um, templates pre-written, which all you have to do is customize it a little bit and then send it. So they're doing a lot of emailing out of the system. Um, No, I think I went tangent there about no no, no it's good it's, it's good <laughs> it's a simple it's, a, it's just it's a really easy to use crm and i find you know i used to work with companies that had salesforce.com yeah and and you know huge amazing crm but they only ever they implemented it poorly and then only ever used a fraction of of what it was good for the thing i like about hubspot is it's just it is it's not as functionally deep as something like um, like salesforce.com, but it's broad enough and does a, a good enough job of 
of getting the information in. And I think that's where traditional CRMs fall down is that garbage gets put in because no one likes doing data entry. Yeah. Where HubSpot kind of takes that takes that pain away and makes it really simple. It's built for salespeople more than sales managers, I think. Yeah, that could be. And there are there are other tools that sales managers can use. So I think that um, CRM is probably one of the most critical tools in an organization. So if you can get your salespeople to do, use it properly, I think you can subsidize with a lot of other tools as opposed to getting a very complicated CRM um, that nobody adopts but has all the tools and functions you could ever want. Um, yeah, but... yeah. yeah. Um, when yeah. you work with companies, um, let's go back to, to Bright for a second. So Bright Inbound, mm-hmm. when you work with companies, you're you're helping them implement the core of their business, but there's so many other functions that are tied into that. Um, at what point do you hand off uh, a client to somebody else or are you able to help them end to end in terms of crafting a marketing campaign um, because you're talking about cold outreach and you're talking about so where do you fit in what what's your sweet spot what do you like to to work with yeah yeah well I actually like to train them up or recruit internally so that they're self-sufficient and they feel can they feel confident building their own team I think I think you know over the years when I've implemented HubSpot I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs for business owners because there's one thing that we all know business is about making money and it's about your bottom line and the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business the more profits you keep but these days everything is costing more supplies people shipping it squeezes your margins and I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance inventory you name it each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information, but Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone, and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com 
Com slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay, and what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch U.S.-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professional to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text SUCCESS, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much indeed for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed 
on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. And inbound marketing strategies for companies, the ones that have been most successful um, long-term have the, are the ones who have invested in developing the skills in-house. Um, and then, of course, they can bring in specialized talent if they need a Google AdWords person or a Facebook AdWords person. But the fundamental skills of, of you know, marketing strategy and content creation um, need to be done in-house. Mm-hmm. And, and understanding the tools that you have in your toolkit, understanding HubSpot, need to be really learned and and embedded in-house and the responsibility taken for it in-house. I think, you know, if you outsource all that stuff to an agency, then the invariably the wheels will fall off. You know, one thing or another, the agency, the relationship breaks down or, and it happens with all, even with the best relationships after a few years, everyone's like, okay, we're, we're, we're yeah. kind of done, we're gone, you know, so, so yeah, the best, the best thing that I can, found that I can do for, for companies is come in, you know, spend six months or so with you getting your foundations right, both from a strategy perspective, getting a content plan in place, auditing your tech stack, uh, and then and then looking at where you've got recruitment gaps. So in, in your marketing team, so who do you need to hire? Um, and, and then helping them get secure those key hires. And then I can then I can nurture and coach those hires into, you know, yeah. into continuing to execute and I can transition off. I never really want to be with a company for, you know, for years and years. Um, and I think that's another Another way, a, traditional agencies are a bit, are a bit broken. Like you know, they'll sign you up for a, like a, a year-long retainer or these year-long year, multi-year contracts and stuff. No one really wants to be handcuffed into that. If it's not working out, you know, you need to be able to go, okay, this is not working out. It's just, you know, this is – for both of them, I think. For, yeah, Agreed, agency, yeah. So it's the agency and, and the customer. A hundred percent. You know, we need you need to be able to go, look, this isn't working out for one reason or the other. And so I've, I've deliberately – Package services in a way that that with the expectation that I'm not going to be here forever. <laughs> so, well, that's 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 good of you, and that's that's ethical of you because I think that what you mentioned is people chasing after revenue for the wrong reasons, and then it just ends up in a in a broken relationship and a bad experience for both. Um, yeah. Which actually leads me to what I was going to bring up. What are some of the? Let's first speak on the agency side. What are mm-hmm. some of the worst practices that you see from uh, marketing or, or ad agencies when you discuss with your customers like past experiences that people should try and avoid if they're looking to hire someone or bring somebody on? Um, okay. I, I guess I would be just aware of, um, I guess, contractual things. You know, so things, things like, you know, locking you in for, for longer-term contracts. Um, I'd also look at... At, at the agency's core skill set, um, I think with a lot of HubSpot agencies that I've come across and had they, they have a web, web development background. So that's great if you want a new website, but if you want strategic marketing advice, it's not necessarily so great mm-hmm. because – that's a lot of a lot of HubSpot agencies are, are web des- start has started has web has web design agencies or SEO agencies and have grown out from there. Um, I've come at it from the other way from a from a holistic marketing strategy perspective, where a website is a critical thing, but I actually don't want to build your website. 
I will, I will partner with other agencies or if you've got an interning, internal web developer. And HubSpot has a whole bunch of really great website templates as well. So you could build a beautiful-looking site using an existing like – just by buying a template and updating it. I yeah. mean, I'm a big believer in, in making things as streamlined and, and easy as possible. I don't think you need – I don't think there are many, very many organisations that need – 100% custom-coded website. I think you're just setting yourself up for um, a headache. A, yeah. A headache. Yeah, yeah. A nightmare, you know, unless you're going to hire a web developer in-house. And I don't know. I mean, you're going to do that. <laughs> no, so, I, I, I agree with you. And I think that a lot of people, um, I think that a lot of people uh, fail to, I think they try and overcomplicate very simple tasks when it comes to their marketing campaign. I, I've mm-hmm. done a couple podcasts with marketers and it sounds like you work with not enterprise, so like small to mid-sized companies, if I'm not mistaken. And I think that these companies are the most susceptible to just buying into uh, perhaps poor practices or the most the latest trends. And they're really not, um, they're, they don't do enough due diligence or they don't have the right support or guidance. Um, right. Right. So they just, I see that yeah. a lot as well. You know, I go in, I go into an agency and they've been working or into a client and they've been working with you know, like, a, like a Facebook agency over here and an SEO agency over here and they're doing all the kind of shiny and new tactics and mm-hmm. things, lots of stuff. Yeah. But they haven't they haven't really put their foundations in place and they haven't started building um I guess an ecosystem of, of marketing partners that they work with consistently and and a, a foundational marketing structure that will be resilient to any of kind of algorithm changes and that yeah. type of thing. And that's not just talking about inbound marketing. So what I mean by that is that is that, you know, who are the who are the partners? So, you know, in a mid sized company and you're going to market, who else can you go to market with who can speed that journey? Now I know when I worked in the startup world, we partnered with a much bigger enterprise sales sales yeah, yeah. Um, company, yeah. software company, because our product complemented theirs and allowed us both to go higher up the food chain quicker. So that was a really great partnership. So that's the type of thing that I talk to founders, other founders about. It's like who else could we be talking to? Should you be in the Microsoft partner program? Should we be doing Amazon, you know, web services? What else is there in your world that you currently use? So I'm talking about tech background because I'm 100% tech. No, I, I am too. And and I think it's funny that you mentioned that you, you're, you're acting as your firm is a marketing firm. But when these founders realize in these small to mid-sized companies, they realize your background, um, they leverage they leverage your experience to just understand how best to do business in general, which 100%, is going to yeah. tie into the fact that I think, and I'm sort of I'm sort of speaking on on I guess uh, insights that I would normally give over, and I don't mean to take over the podcast, but I think that the ability to bring that educational uh, subject matter expert experience to uh to the business relationship regardless of your industry it's going to close you business 10 out of 10 times if you can if you can add extra value as more than just a transactional yeah and it's more than it's more than tactics so we're not i'm not just talking about and i talk about random acts of marketing and there's a whole bunch of tactics you know masquerading as a plan so i see a lot of this you know people are just doing you know they're doing like a they'll do a trade show or they'll do kind of an email thing or they'll do they'll dabble in lots of different things and then get when i'm talking to founders they get really frustrated because nothing's really working they're not really committing and being consistent either so that's another Mm. thing but they're, they're trying lots of different things and spinning their wheels and not really getting you know it's just not really and they're spending they, they tons of money too yeah 
Yeah, they spend money and they lose confidence in the whole marketing thing and they go, oh, marketing. (laughs) So I try and bring them all back to a place where where, the marketing is based on a really deep understanding of who their customer is and it's also aligned to their business goals. So if they've got some really aggressive revenue targets, which most of my customers do, um, how are we going to get there the fastest? And it's probably not by doing Facebook ads. You know, know, it's it's about, uh, I believe, building partnerships with other organizations in your industry to get those deals in the pipeline quicker and to, you know, and to raise your own profile in the industry quicker. Um, Yeah. I think that's a great point. I think it's a thing that a lot of people, um, we just kind of touched on this, but a lot of people don't think about the ability to leverage these partnerships. Um, I've, I've seen that before where you can leverage a larger sales force to get your product to market quicker. Why do all the work again? Um, you know, it's better to even own a portion of something than a hundred percent of nothing. So, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So what are some of the, what are some of the worst marketing practices that you see propagating the industry that you really hate that (laughs) they hate the worst marketing practices hmm um i don't know i think it's a lot of that shiny and new stuff you know you you, there's a lot of people out there who are gurus in one particular tactic and so and they make overly large claims about about the effectiveness of that tact of that particular tactic so that would be one thing um I also see people using LinkedIn really badly and that really annoys me, you know, just that I think the, for B2B marketers, LinkedIn is an incredible, incredible tool to use. Um, But I see a lot of people who maybe they've done some like LinkedIn training or whatever and they, yeah, they, you know, they reach out randomly to people and, and as soon as you accept their connection requests, they just start spamming you. With all these ads for buy this, buy this and yeah. I know it's like well you know I it's just not the way to use LinkedIn you know I typically I don't accept people I haven't actually spoken to in and it can be an email conversation they have to be like a face-to-face one because I think that's the power of your network on LinkedIn is is of people that you actually know and like and trust and would recommend um, rather than just everybody and yeah so I mean LinkedIn it's it's a great resource, but it's also it's just really easy for people just to spam you um, and abuse it, and, I don't, I don't like, and abuse it, and then it just kind of makes it not fun for ever anyone. So. No, I, those are those are good points. Um, back to you uh, because we've really covered like I, I I got through what your opinions on marketing were, so I want to sort of just bring it home a little bit. Um, if you were going to speak to your twenty year old self and one professional lesson that you've learned, lesson that. Right. Uh, that could be in marketing. It could be in just your general attitude towards doing business. Okay. What would that, do you have an idea of what that would be? Oh, maybe. Um, uh, I think trust your gut because I personally, looking back at some of the things that I did as a junior marketer, not really, not really knowing what I was doing. Um, I, I started my first job with a startup and and there were seven of us and so someone had to do marketing and that was me so um i started doing doing marketing things and then i look back on some of the things that i that i did at that point and went actually that was pretty good <laughs> you didn't know what you were doing but actually that was actually you had a, you had a knack for it. you just had a feel had a knack for it yeah, yeah a real feel for and, and i think it's the empathy you know from you know empathizing with who your customers are mm-hmm. that came that came through in some of the decisions that we made um with this startup so trust your gut and um 
I was going to say, you know, don't be afraid to fail. But I think that's still, I would still give myself that advice now. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's, it's, t- it's good advice, but it's tough. It's, it's tough to, yeah. um, to actually action it, right? Because yeah. it's failure. It's the, the one thing that no matter what you're going to be afraid of, I think. Uh, yeah. As much as you try um, and overcome yeah. that. Um, mm. when, okay, so another question for people that are listening that are sort of younger in their career. Uh, mm-hmm. For resources, where do you go to learn new things, new strategies. It could be a mentor. It could be a book, yeah. a podcast. Yeah. What, what's your mm-hmm. go-to? Well, I, um, I mean, HubSpot training is incredible. There's heaps and heaps of free training up on HubSpot Academy for anyone starting their new careers. And when I hired juniors, I also usually hired um, journalism students mm-hmm. who who have got, you know, really great at interviewing, really good writing skills, really good at deadlines. They're like tick, tick, tick. Anyhow, um, but then I go make them do the HubSpot Academy um, program because their inbound course certification is free and it gives you a really good overview of all the elements of a modern marketing strategy, you know, from blogging and keywords all the way through to emailing and CRM. It's a great kind of crash course in modern marketing. Yeah, um, and it's all free? And just, that's, that's, yeah, it's free, that's, that's, 100% free. Yeah. It's impressive. I would totally, I recommend my, and I make my new hires go do that. Um, so that's the first one. And then, I mean, I'm just, I'm a massive avid reader. So I'm, I'm always reading and learning these new, new things. I've got hundreds of books that I keep referencing. Um, and the one I go back to, um, and what I'm going back to a bit lately is Donald Miller's Story Brand. Um, are you, I haven't I read that. I haven't read that one yet. No, no. It's just for small and medium businesses, it's just a really succinct way of of um, figuring out what your message is um, from a, and, and telling it like a story. So it's not – and flipping that switch in your head to be talking all about yourself to be talking about your customer experience. That's important. I'm going to get it. I'm going to – if I can uh, audible it, I'll go, go, I'll go audible after yeah. the call. But, yeah, yeah that's important um, too. And Handley as well, if you feel like content marketing stuff, so Anne Handley is – is um, my girl crush on content content marketing. She's incredible. Um, her book Everybody Writes is fantastic. Um, I read I've read that over and over again as well. It's Very just, good. Um, it's a really great book about book about writing. Um, and anything that I didn't ask you or didn't cover about Bright Inbound, um, what you're doing now, what you're up to, things that you want people to know when they listen. No, not really. I think it's. I think it comes back to. I mean, when I'm looking at setting up a business, is yeah. is just keep keep iterating it and figuring out what works for you and what success looks like for you, and not to be comparing yourselves to. I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking, I have to grow a massive agency. I have to grow an agency. I have to grow this. That, that success success is a really big agency, but it's actually not, and it's not for me. I've got a small and mighty team, and and we get a lot of stuff done, and we and we remain flexible we work remotely and and we we're profitable so you know that's, that's all you can ask that, for that's better than most businesses that, 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 that's what success looks like for me so. that's uh, congratulations that's good um if people want to find you reach out to you uh for bright uh for yourself where can they reach uh well i'm on linkedin okay it's sarah mcintyre it's sarah j mcintyre actually on linkedin and i uh i have a website brightinbound.com.au Awesome. So if you want to reach Sarah, uh, go hit her up on LinkedIn uh, or you can go check out Bright Inbound Marketing. 
Um, they're an incredible firm. Uh, Sarah's an incredible person. She's super experienced, and I'm so happy that she she sat down with me today. Um, as always, if you like the Sales versus Marketing podcast, hit like, hit subscribe, share it with your peers, your colleagues, coworkers, friends, family, anybody who you think uh, would enjoy this and learn something. Uh, if you haven't already, uh, please le- please leave us any rating as long as it's a five star rating. And if you have a suggestion for who can speak on the podcast, you can reach out to me, your host, Scott, directly on LinkedIn at linkedin.com slash in slash Clary, or you can email me sdouglasclary at gmail.com. I, I welcome uh, you to recommend any sales, marketing, or business leaders that we can sit down and speak with. So that's another episode of Sales versus Marketing. I hope everybody has a great week, has a productive week, and we'll talk again soon. Bye now. Welcome to Scott's Thoughts, where I dissect some of the main points that we just heard from Sarah in the Sales versus Marketing podcast. So Sarah was a wealth of knowledge. Uh, Her agency has been killing it for the past 10 years, being named HubSpot's Agency of the Year. But there was two very important points that I wanted to extract from our conversation and drive home with our listeners. So the first point that I wanted to speak on is the importance of understanding your customer, your customer persona, your buyer persona. Sarah's entire agency has been successful through helping companies understand who their customer is. She helps the companies understand their brand, what they are, what their messaging is, and who their customer is, their customer persona, and using that customer persona, that buyer persona, to build out their entire marketing campaign. To understand the way to speak to your customer is probably the most important thing that you can do as a company. You're no longer just putting information out there, you're tailoring it to the kind of customer that you want to buy your products. I'll give you an example of a way that I've seen this used effectively in my past life. So uh, in past lives, uh, when I've worked for different organizations, one strategy that I've implemented is to send out a quick survey, a one question, when a customer signs off on a deal. So when you have a closed one deal, you send out a survey and you give the customer the opportunity to answer one simple question, why did you buy from us? And that will open up, the, first of all, the reason why you're doing this when you're when the customer buys something from you is because that was a meaningful event in the customer life cycle. Obviously, they like your product, they like your company, and they're more likely to respond. Uh, they're in a great mood about their good their new purchase. So the chances of them responding are much higher than if you just shot out a survey uh, and and hoped for an answer back if you do it at the right time. Um, so you ask the customer, why did you buy from us? And the customer is going to write why they bought from you. And what's really interesting is to compare and contrast the customer's answer against the branding or the messaging that you have in your marketing collateral on your website uh, that your sales uh, reps and sales force speak over to the customer. Because if your customers are buying from you for a certain reason and it doesn't align with the messaging that you are that you are putting out into the world, wherever your company is putting it out, social media, website, or whatever, um, obviously there's a disconnect. So what you can actually do is you can take the verbiage, take the direct words or the features that the customers highlight when they do these surveys, and then you can build it out into your pitch, into your messaging, into the into the into the verbiage that uh, your sales reps use when they go speak to customers. That's a very strong strategy. Uh, Sarah takes it a step further 
obviously, which you should, and build out a buyer persona for different types of buyers, um, which can not just be used for buyers that are in great moves, but get, get different sentiment from buyers uh, who have purchased from you, who haven't purchased from you, uh, who've canceled your service, who are still in the thought process. So if you have all these different uh, uh, sentiments and insights from these buyers, that's how you build it a strong buyer persona. And she actually has uh, a, a systemized three-step process to map out a buyer persona. So this ensures that you're getting enough data points to properly and accurately uh, define different types of buyer personas. So is it a CEO? Is it a VP level, a director? Uh, is it a gatekeeper? What are the different types of buyer personas who are looking at your product? And how do you speak to each one of them? And that's how, and she does that by speaking to internal stakeholders. And then uh, finally, uh, at the end of her process, it's getting all this data from all your all your customers, uh, a wide range of customers and different, uh, different stages in the customer lifecycle. And the sec this brings me to my second point. What she does now is she takes all that data and the customer and buyer personas and she puts that into HubSpot, which is her CRM of choice. And what HubSpot can actually allow you to do is you can you can respond to forms or inputs based on certain buyer personas. So if a potential customer as part of your inbound funnel responds to some of your marketing collateral, you can actually program HubSpot to segment them into a specific campaign based on what their buyer persona is because you've 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 figured out what that persona is you've tailored some marketing collateral or a certain campaign to that type of persona so now that persona is in a certain nurture campaign uh, that's targeted and and optimized for them it's a very cool feature hubspot has um but i think the the more important Takeaway from this using this feature within HubSpot is the importance of properly understanding and implementing your CRM so that everybody uses it. So the CRM you use in your organization should not be the most complex one that has the most features. It should be the one that you understand completely, that you can onboard all your sales reps, all your other stakeholders completely so that they understand it, they use it, they buy into it because if they don't buy into it, it doesn't matter how many features you have. They're not going to be putting in the data. They're not going to want to. They're not going to want to put in the data. Um, and then if it's garbage in, garbage out, your CRM is useless. Your data is useless. You can't properly uh, have line of sight against any any piece of data that's in there if it's not being up to date and maintained properly. So how do we how do we get quality data? Well, we have to understand the behaviors and the psychology of the people that are using it. And obviously, the type of people that are using a CRM, primarily salespeople who hate data entry, want it as easy as possible. So if the CRM is not easy to use, um, the salespeople are not going to use it effectively, which impacts the entire organization. So for a CRM to be effective, you want to get your sales force uh, engaged with it. You want them to use it properly. And uh, she was saying that HubSpot may be not be as feature rich, but it is one of the CRMs that allows a lot of the data entry to be automated, which enables your sales force to, to, to enter information into the CRM, keep the CRM up to date without much effort at all, which again, uh, optimizes all your data across your organization because now there's all these things being injected into it um, that allow you to have line of sight as to your customers, your deals, your pipeline, et cetera, et cetera. So the most, the, the most useful CRM is one that's implemented properly, onboarded properly, and actually adopted by 
your entire organization. So those are two really, really great points from Sarah um, that I really wanted to double down on. Uh, this has been another Scott's Thoughts where we cover uh, main points from the Sales versus Marketing podcast. I hope you enjoyed. As always, have a great week, have a productive week, and we'll talk again soon. Bye now. Thanks for listening to the Sales versus Marketing podcast brought to you by ROI Overload. Delivering strategy, technology, and insights to both sales and marketing leaders and teams globally. I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to this show and NetSuite has been a huge supporter for entrepreneurs, for business owners, because there's one thing that we all know. Business is about making money and it's about your bottom line. And the less you spend on the nuts and bolts of running your business, the more profits you keep. But these days, everything is costing more. Supplies, people, shipping. It squeezes your margins. And I've been there juggling multiple systems for finance, inventory, you name it, each with its own costs and its own set of headaches. That's why I made the switch to NetSuite by Oracle. It's changed our company. Think about it. NetSuite is one of the top financial systems out there. It puts your whole business on one platform, accounting, finance, the works, one data source for everyone. There's no more mismatched info. And because it's in the cloud, it slashes your IT costs. No more servers, no more updates. Just access NetSuite from anywhere. With one integrated suite, your overhead drops big time. And here's the real win. Efficiency. Everything's connected in NetSuite. Costs are ridiculous lately. Find a proven way to reduce your expenses and get better performance out of your team. It's a no-brainer, and that's what NetSuite offers. Over 37,000 companies have figured this out already. You have to join them. Right now, through to April 15th, NetSuite's got an incredible, flexible financing plan. Check it out and see the savings yourself at netsuite.com slash scottclary. That's netsuite.com slash scottclary. I don't know about you, but the idea of being harassed, scammed, or even worse, all because somebody found my personal information online, that's terrifying. Our political opinions, our addresses, even stuff about our families, it's out there for anyone to grab. And did you know that data brokers are allowed to sell information on over 98% of Americans? It's scary stuff. That's why I've partnered with Delete Me. I personally use Delete Me. They're a big friend of the podcast because I put myself out there online. So safety is a huge concern. It's really scary how easy it is to find someone's details and information. But Delete Me creates a layer of protection that we all need. You tell Delete Me what you want gone and they make it disappear from those sketchy data broker sites. And Delete Me doesn't stop. They constantly monitor the web to keep your information off those lists. It's like having a privacy watchdog that never sleeps. You need to take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. They're giving a special discount for all Success Story podcast listeners. Get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeletemecom slash success and use promo code success at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash success and enter code success at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash success. Hey everyone, I just want to take a second and thank the sponsor of today's episode, Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond Bourbon. Now I don't have a lot of liquor sponsors on this show. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is actually one of my favorites. I've drank it for a few years now, and this is why we actually decided to work together. Heaven Hill Distillery, family-owned since 1935, is a great entrepreneur story, too. So there's five brothers. 
They filled their first whiskey barrels back in 1935, and their legacy still lives on today. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond is aged over seven years. That's three more than required by the Bottled and Bond Act of 1897. This means the best quality, the best purity, and the best consistency. This is not just average bourbon. It's the winner of the double gold medals at multiple 2023 World Spirits competitions, and they've won the very prestigious Triple Still Award. It's a very big deal in the liquor and bourbon world. Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond boasts an exceptionally smooth oak flavor, while its aroma offers a sweet blend of caramel and smooth vanilla. If you love bourbon, you need to try Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. Available nationally, look for a bottle at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Think back to your last few days in the office. Did any of them leave you feeling really accomplished? Not the kind of day where you're running around like crazy, but where you've made real progress on something that matters. Because being busy doesn't always mean being productive. And I bet you we've all been there. And maybe it's time to rethink what it means to get things done. Today's episode is sponsored by Belay. And what they help you do is, instead of getting sucked into emails and to-do lists, they help you delegate tasks and focus on big goals. They can connect you with top-notch US-based talent who are ready to take on those time-consuming tasks that bog you down. Let's be real. There are way more important things you could be doing than bookkeeping or wrangling a packed inbox. They have virtual assistants to handle all of those pesky administrative tasks or accounting professionals to take care of all your financials. But here's the best part. You don't have to waste weeks searching for the right person. Belay's personalized matching service works quickly, sometimes matching you with the right talent to take stuff off your plate in under a week. Are you ready to try a different way of working? Check out Belay's list of the top 25 things you can delegate to a virtual assistant. It might just change your business and your life. Text success, that's S-U-C-C-E-S-S, to 55123 to get the list and to start transforming your to-do list with Belay. Thank you so much, Indeed, for sponsoring Success Story. For all business leaders out there, Indeed is a lifesaver. See, we're always driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. You're going to ditch the busy work and you're going to use Indeed for scheduling, screening, messaging, so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Clary. Just go to Indeed.com slash Clary right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Clary. Terms and conditions apply. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. 